0: hello and welcome to design unmuted a podcast that centers marginalized voices in design art and all things creative I am your host divine a landscape designer and social critic uh, at this point in your career do you do you have any insecurities about any of course like- yeah really yeah, yeah
1: yeah and it's almost like um Anytime I put anything out in the world, I still have that that feeling that those insecurities. I still am nervous about it, and I think mm-hmm. once that disappears, I think the work is not going to be interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? I mean, it's like anything. It's like if you if you perform or you do anything. I mean, I used to play sports or whatever. It's like always those butterflies, you know. And I and I lecture mm-hmm. a lot. I still get butterflies when I lecture, right? Oh, because really? Well, I mean, I don't have something written out that I talk about all the time, but it's like, to me, lecturing and design work, writing, is just me trying to work something out, right? I mean, those are the things, like, I'm writing a piece for the Garden Conservancy right now that's due tomorrow, and, you know, and i just been thinking about it for, like, the last month, and this yeah. morning, I, I started writing, because I didn't know what I wanted to say, Mm-hmm. And like to, this morning, I was like, okay, I know what I want to say. So I sat down, did a quick outline and, you know, structured the piece. But that's how, you know, these things happen for me. Uh, but, but, but that is, you know, that's being an artist to me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's being an artist where the work is, what can I say, it's just part of you. And you have to then find ways to make space to make the work, Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: and and that's how the studio literally developed.
0: <laughs> right. It's the same
1: thing, it's the same thing. Like, you know, a lot of us teach, like Paul teaches, Alma teaches, you know, and so I've tried to bring them into this context, you know, where mm-hmm. I value that they have that space, right? That they can also think that we're not just running an office. We're actually mm-hmm. running a place where there's an intellectual as well as cultural sort of context that i want to be in and you know i'm not going to be part of the firm always but i would love to make sure that it's a legacy and there are people who still believe in it but also have the opportunities to do the kinds of things that we do and i do think that the principals really love the the context in which we work i mean the cost of work is just very diverse and very varied but
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but but we're we're designers, we're not providing a service per se.
0: right? Hmm. Right, interesting. And do you have any skill gaps that you are currently working on? Any what? Skill gaps. I was like, no, I'm too what do, skilled. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean skill um, gaps? Skill gaps is, I actually recently uh, read about this in Lisa Kingdom book, uh, Find Your Artistic <laughs> Voice, where yeah, yeah. she talks about, um, a lot of creative people, you have this vision of what you want to make or where you would mm. like to be, but not quite the skills yet to be there. Yeah, and yeah. there's this moment yeah. of frustration yeah. Yeah. where you have to bridge yeah. that gap. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering yeah. if is there are any skill gap that you're working on?
1: Yes, always in art, particularly because every project is new. so i'm I'm constantly learning, like I'm doing my first anthropomorphic sculptures for a project.
0: Like right, that I've never an done before. Remote. What was that?
1: <laughs> they're people, people, people. Okay. Representational kind of people, but they're kind of abstract, but they're still representational. And mm-hmm. so trying to kind of figure out, um, you know, I I had to like teach myself how to sculpt in clay.
0: <laughs> nice. Which was
1: fun, which was really fun. And, you know, it just if you can kind of see it. Oh, nice and that will be for the museum. And wow. no, that's my place.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> Are those but to scale? Those,
1: yes, they're to scale oh, wow. and they're small figures. And they're, you know, I was taking them in my car to the office the other day, oh, and everybody wow. was like, what the hell is that in your car? <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's got dead bodies. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I was learning the process um, of doing that. So I made clay figures.
0: Mm-hmm. and then i sent
1: them to my fabricator and they scanned them and then they mm-hmm. blew them up and made them foam okay and then they came back to me and i had to cut them and sculpt them again with foam so mm-hmm. now they're going back to them and then i'll get another chance to do them and then we're going to cast them in concrete um oh, wow. but but each project and now i'm about to do one for the san diego airport If you see those sketches, can you see that?
0: Are those like birds, but people?
1: Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this idea of migration because the project is in San Diego, right? And, oh. and so I know it's going to be very controversial. So San Diego is part of the bird flyway, right? Mm. So I, I want to make these big figures from canaries, yellow, Mm-hmm. Crow, black, mm-hmm. uh, red, robin, no, red cardinal, green parrot, and there's one more. There's five of them. So they're they're like metaphor for race, yeah. Right, and and that they're going to be as you drive to the airport, there will be these big birds walking with these legs. <laughs> <laughs> But I I just came up with that yesterday. So I got to figure out, but that's one of many things I'm just trying to, but, but again, this sort of shows you my design process as I'm, you know, trying to work backwards and, and thinking about, you know, how to talk about some issues through the medium of art. And so again, art is kind of this broad thing. And so I, I spent the last week just looking at kind of bird flyways. And I was like, I don't want to do birds because people have done birds. I was like, what can I do? And I've been recently interested in like Nick Cave's sound suits. And I did this piece for the Biennale in Chicago that looked like there were these wood things that looked like clothing. Mm-hmm. So now I, I want to do something that's kind of in between. There are these migration dolls that come out of German um, migration to the north where they would make these dolls that look like these figures and so all of these things came together for that
0: oh wow i really love those bird people i i'm a little bit (laughs) i'm a little bit obsessed with birds and i'm like what (laughs) can you do a pink robin No,
1: I want to do them like 30 foot tall, right? 30 feet tall.
0: Wow. No, that's... But we'll see. I mean,
1: I don't know. What material like are you going to use? Uh, I was thinking of anodized aluminum.
0: Oh, wow. Because
1: if you anodize the aluminum, there's the color is like in the aluminum. And as you move around, it changes. So.
0: Oh, like the way the, the light th- is going to reflect on it, it's going to like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's... then I was thinking, you know, maybe the head is made up of things that blow in the wind, right? Almost like feather-like things and the rest of the body is solid, I don't I don't know. But I'm beginning to think about that now. <laughs> so you're the first person to see this.
0: <laughs> I am honored. I, I also think it's really cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go to San Diego just to see the, the, the bird people. <laughs> I always thought I was <laughs> like that. if I was to choose what to come back as, as reincarnated, I'll just be a bird. Like the
1: bird, the bird fly it over, yeah.
0: Because like yeah. you can fly, you can walk, you can go underwater. It's actually like a yeah. pretty incredible creature yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. You get the best yeah. of everything. You get to yeah. travel and be in different seasons as you choose. And like yeah. always with like your homies. Right? Yeah. Just yeah.
1: going, going for the ride. No.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with the bird. I'll people keep your over breath. There.
1: I'll keep your breath. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs>
0: if you can start a pink rubbing in there, it'll be perfect.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, boy. Actually, so before we finish, I really wanted yes. to speak about um, a passage in uh, your book, Black Landscapes Matter, uh, where uh, in the introduction, Uh, You have, uh, and I'm going to quote you here. It says, it is up to those of us in the field to continue to articulate and most of all develop a prophetic aesthetic to counter the colonial malaise so that we can remember and develop new futures from the power of the past. And I'm really curious for you to talk more about what you mean by prophetic aesthetic.
1: Mm. Well, I kind of have taken this from bell hooks and i've mm-hmm. kind of adopted it so i don't even know if she said it in the way that i use <laughs> it but i was taken by this idea of a truth an aesthetic of truth
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and so when you think about prophecy prosthetic right it's it's the truth right and and that it's the it's the truth so when you tell the truth if you're designing a lot of design creates fiction
0: mm-hmm.
1: But if somehow in your design you're embodying the truth. And what I mean by that is if I'm working on a project, let's just I'm just gonna choose the worst thing in a neighborhood where you know it have there's no investment, it's pretty much all the same people, you know, it's just laden with issues from environment to sociology. I can't go in there and design a playground. Mm-hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. because the truth is people don't need a playground. (laughs) Yeah. They, they need a lot of other things. And so then the, the prophetic aesthetic. So if I am hired to design a a playground, I have to somehow use that project to get at the truth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that truth is embedded in our histories. Absolutely. And that's the only way it's going to allow us to see a future. Totally. Because when this pandemic hit, I mean, I hadn't thought a lot about it, but if you if you ask me today, yeah, you know, what does the future of the black community look like? I could not tell you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: On one hand, you know, I if I look at history on one hand, there won't be a black community in the future if I look at the history. Right. And so, again, through the, the prophecy, then, if, if you don't want to see that, then how do you not allow that to happen? And that then means you need to speak and design truth to these institutions so that possibly they'll see it and, and make that shift. But if we continue to treat these places through these fictions and this make-believe, which I go back to Baldwin saying, you know, who's got time for that? I mean, I see the trauma, so I want to deal with that head on. And so the aesthetics that we do, then the prophetic aesthetic might be the gateway on 7th Street, where Obama, Malcolm are across the street on a street sign that they used on the freeway that separated the place. Now, to Mm -hmm. me, that's a prophetic aesthetic,
0: totally. right?
1: Or or at the University of Virginia, you know, the shadow catcher who talks about a free black woman. At the bottom of the hill, who had to look up at Thomas Jefferson right and so I made a shadow catcher a portal for her family to go to heaven right that's a that's a prophetic aesthetic
0: yeah and it's, like, uh, how, you're, it's
1: so beautiful but, you, but you have to find you have to find ways though to tell the truth right mm-hmm. and again, it's not like one plus one equals two because we're making landscape <laughs> so so again, it's not like. I can save an entire community, but I can speak truth through the medium in which I'm doing. Again, if I go to a neighborhood and have to do a, pl- a landscape plan for a neighborhood and there are no trees, right, in the neighborhood, I might plant a million trees. Yeah. Right? Because there's none. Right. Versus going in and planting trees 30 feet on center and then getting mad when they all die.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, I'm going to go in and plant them 10 feet on center. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to plant a lot of them because I know that some of them are probably going to die. Right. Because these communities have never had trees. And this is the thing that people don't think of. It's like, well, we planted a tree. Why did they tear the tree down? It's because they've never had trees. Right. You know, there are communities of kids who've never seen bees. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the first housing project I worked on in Oakland, I planted a long line of lavender plants next to the freeway because I wanted it to be this colorful landscape. The front yards I did, native plants. So I did all of my good eco stuff in this project. Yeah. <laughs> it was built. I get a phone call like a mm-hmm. month later and the woman says, Walter, you have to get down here. And I was like, "Why?" So I go down, and she goes, "We got to cut the shrubs down." <laughs> and there was, like, and there was like, I mean, it had to be over a hundred feet of lavender. And I said, "Why?" It's because the kids are afraid of bees. And that oh, was no, the no, first no. time it occurred to me that you can't just this is the paternalistic thing that we were talking I was talking about earlier. You can't go into a place and immediately do the landscape thing. If right. you look at a place, and if the place has if a generation of people have lived in a place where there are cracked sidewalks, there are, the parks are only lawn and basketball, there are no street trees, um, there's lots of paving everywhere, and let's say two generations of people have gone through that. That is their familiar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's familiar to them. So if you bring in something new, and expect them then to adopt it like you would adopt it. That's insane. So you have to find ways in which to, to get people to see the kind of the beauty that you want to bestow. And so mm-hmm. like one of our first projects that we did, we planted 150 purple leaf plum trees over four blocks. And we put them in a double row.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when they bloomed, people freaked out
0: oh.
1: because, it bloomed for five blocks, double row. And all of a sudden, people started to see landscape. Right. It's, hard, it's hard to see landscape when, you, when your landscape is malnourished. It's hard to see. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. I can't go into a place that's malnourished and do a little thing and then expect people to actually get behind it because it's just a little thing in this larger malnourished landscape.
0: So it has to be grand.
1: Grand is not it's not the term is grand. Mm. You have to look at the context. You have to look at that cultural context mm. and and the reaction comes out of that. So it might be trees sometimes. it might be something else
0: Right.
1: but it's, but it's the context, the cultural context that should render what you should do. Uh, I was in South Africa a couple of years ago, and these landscape architects took me to a um, to a settlement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the city. They're not called settlements. They're called um, outside of Cape Town. They're like, ah, um, uh, they're not shanties. They have a name for them. Townships,
0: right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: In, a, in a different township. And of course, they're like shanties. They're really dense. You know, people are living in containers. I mean, people are living in the worst environments, right? Mm-hmm. And and they wanted to show me this new library they built and this new park. And the park is in the middle of And the library is the -the state-of-the-art library. And the whole time I'm walking through this library, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking how people who live there must feel. That they Mm -hmm. go to this library that has everything, state-of-the-art computers, and then they have to go back and live in a shipping container. Yeah. And, And I'm going, fuck, how can you even operate that way? So then we leave the library and we go to the park. And the park is this huge park it's got a soccer field it's got all this stuff that could have been anywhere right Right. and the landscape and the landscape architects start complaining they said well you know we put in all these lights and they stole all the lights we put all this they stole all of this and i'm looking at them going fuck i'd steal the lights too i don't have (laughs) any lights it's like why would you even design this stuff this way but of course they were white south africans and you know very good intentions but that's what I mean. It's like yeah. you can't just go into places and expect people to see the world like you see it through your privileged lens. If mm-hmm. you see how they're experiencing the world, there are ways then in which you can find ways to validate, on one hand, their existence and yes. then take them somewhere. But you have to do that. I really yeah. do believe that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, I think we're coming up to time here. And as the last question, I wanted to ask you as uh, a couple of years ago, you won the Genius Grant Award. And I wanted to ask you, how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm.
1: In a way it made the last 25 years, it kind of validated the last 25 years. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. It, 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 um, you know, all the awards that I've gotten, the ones that I cherish the most are the ones that don't come from professional blah, 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 but come from more cultural institutions Mm -hmm. because those cultural institutions aren't part of our club. Right. right. I mean, in architecture, I mean, they are clubs, basically, uh, but it's nice to be appreciated by kind of the general public at a certain degree. Right. That, that the mm-hmm. work is impact. The work goes past the profession. And so yes. those have been, you know, something that I, I look back over the struggle over 25 years ago, <laughs> yeah. it was worth it. You know, it was worth it because I did. You know, I have taken certain chances in my career. And, you know, I've been I've benefited by some of those things, but, you know, it's it's not been easy, you know, for a long time. My studio was like three to five people, Um, you know, like I told you in the early parts, you know, I couldn't get work. Um, And I still you know, there's still projects that I know I'll probably never get, you know, but but that's okay. you know. But. It's I'm glad I've been able to build this kind of multidisciplinary space in which I feel pretty comfortable in operating. And I know we're having an impact on the world in just various ways.
0: Yes. Yes, you are. You are definitely uh, inspiring people like myself. I have kind of quietly been looking at all your work and. And feeling seen, so that's that's great. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, but it's like
1: uh, I tell my students, it's like um, you know, you still have to do the work, though. You know, it's like this is the hard part. You know, particularly with this generation, I'm finding in our profession, everybody wants instant gratification, and I think you know the digital world, particularly the, you know, this damn thing, you know, people, look at at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I'm like, no, you know, and I'm from, you know, I'm from the school. It's like, act like you've been there. Right. There's an old saying. What does that mean? If you receive some kind of accolade or whatever, be humble and just act like you've been there. It's not a new thing. Okay. Thank you. And move on. Mm -hmm. Versus everything's like, look at me, ah, look at me, ah, look at me, act like you've been there. It's like, you know, this this comes out of sports. It's like when you score a touchdown, you don't celebrate, just put the ball down and walk back and walk away. (laughs) Right? Right? Because I expect to be there, right? That's that expectation, Mm -hmm. right? And, and that's just a way, you know, of thinking about things, because if everything becomes this kind of thing, it's, it's exhausting to a certain degree. But you mm-hmm. don't give yourself that kind of space to become. Right. And you yeah. ask me this question. It's like, will I ever be done? I want to keep becoming. And this is mm-hmm. the thing that has been lost to our culture for so long. You know, we've been denied this this ability to keep becoming. And this is one of the beautiful things. It's like in every decade, I'm a different person. You can be a different person. That's okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, because one's hoping that you're learning from the stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: as you know, you learn, you, you kind of move in different ways and you become. And uh, I hope in the next decade, I'm actually becoming, still becoming.
0: Uh, I'm sure you, you will. Know,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's like. A decade ago, I probably wouldn't be writing three books. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I never thought I could even be in that kind of context. But right now, I've finished one and doing two more. Right. And so it's becoming. It's like you asked me about what did you call it, the learning thing? What was the thing the you asked me about? The skill gap. The skill gap. You know, it's like that's the thing. I want to just keep becoming. There's not something that, it's not like I'm trying to master things. It's just mm-hmm. I want to keep cultivating my practice. And that's just by taking things on and looking at things differently, like my big birds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was actually going to say something like that. Maybe uh, next thing you know, the next 10 years is going to be just a bunch of like bird people.
1: No, I think it's going to be more painting. (laughs) I think it's going to be more painting. Yeah, more painting. And um, yeah, I'm getting back to painting again. So that's good. Always a place to be in your head. So that's a good place to be
0: you should uh put the 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 paintings and all this artwork out there some of us are curious to see what what you're getting up to Uh,
1: (laughs) maybe maybe maybe. i showed you some of my bird people that's enough for today i guess
0: i i I, I, I really appreciate the bird people i i will hold that in my memory (laughs)
1: <laughs> now, I can show you a painting. I'm gonna show you a quick painting. Okay. And this is actually it's funny because I made this painting last year. It's not done. And then yeah. our capital and then our capital riots happen, right? Oh yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So this is the painting.
0: Oh wow.
1: Right. And that was done before the Capitol riots.
0: Wait, did you <laughs> foresee? see okay. <laughs> Look at the little black girl.
1: Look at the little black girl, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's weird. It's weird because I was thinking about Charlottesville Mm. and white supremacy and all of these crazy white people. And I wanted to put someone innocent in a scene and kind of have that contrast, which is a work, which is part of a larger work that I want to do. So So it's those kinds of crazy things that I do.
0: Oh, it's so fun. But so would you feel comfortable to call yourself an artist? Or is That's that what too many
1: That's what I said from the beginning. I'm an I artist and a you... designer.
0: Oh, okay. I said I didn't okay.
1: want to be a landscape architect or an architect
0: oh, okay. or a planner
1: or an urban designer. Those kind of professional
0: things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah artist it's
1: like, was, it's like Alice Walker. She said, in search of my mother's gardens, my mother was an artist. You know, she talked about her spirituality that stayed with me, the spirituality of like, you know, having to toil in labor and still being able to have the spirituality. That's art. That's -hmm. what I mean by that. You know, the spirit comes out of it has to come out of something and sometimes it's painful and sometimes it's jubilation. Yeah. Right. You know, that's where the term comes from, the struggling artist. You know, it's like that <laughs> inner turmoil, <laughs> inner turmoil. Right. But yeah. I think you could talk about it in a different way. You know, it's it's being able to figure out these these ways, these outlets to deal with, you know, the trauma that we have around us. And you see this. I mean, this is what I love about music, you know, musicians. Yeah. You know, which if, you know, if I hadn't gone here, I would have probably wanted to be a musician, right? Yeah, it's not too late. The
0: next 10 decades, the next 10 yeah, years. Right.
1: I, I don't <laughs> think so. A lot of practice. Too much practice I need to do. Too, oh, much, skill gap too much skill <laughs> gap building. To do. You don't know you know have, have to
0: be a good one. You can just be <laughs> a musician.
1: Oh, no. I want to be, you know, I want to be good, right? It's like... <laughs> I wanna work if I'm gonna put the work in, it's like something's gonna happen on the other end. But yeah. but it's, it's one of those things where it's like again, getting back to becoming and finding ways in which your voice can if you don't know, satisfy, you know, some of the pain that we have. And I know people don't like to talk about pain, but you know, it's 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 around us through loss. It's around us, you know. We grieve. We do all of these things, but those are healthy things to deal with, right? And you just mm-hmm. have to find ways. And that's why, you know, the blues music is like awesome. You should see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's awesome. Have you seen it? No. It's, it's a new movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's August Wilson play, um, but Viola Davis is awesome in it. But the blues, you oh, know, yeah. music that music comes out of pain, man. You know, jazz comes out of pain, struggle. Hip-hop mm-hmm. comes out of pain. People forget hip-hop comes out of pain. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. hip-hop is like, oh, it's happy. No, hip-hop comes out of pain. Yeah. It comes from the streets. It's this hard thing, man. It's like, you know, I mean, but this is what I am I try to find in, in what we do here. You know, that's why, you know, I, I can't just look at landscape, I can't just look at architecture, I can't just look at urbanism, it's all of these things kind Mm -hmm. of embroiled together that allow for, you know, me to dwell in these different places, because there's just so much trauma. I mean, I don't know about you, the last year, I never cried so much the last year. And I think, you know, the, the murder down in Atlanta, when the guy fell asleep, you know, and then the guy ran behind them with a the taser thing and then he shot the guy. I mean, and this is after we had seen five murders before. And that one was the thing that broke me. And then last week I'm sitting doing something and my phone beeps and I thought it would be about the trial. It's about another black. And you just go like, shit. I mean, so on one hand, I could literally be so depressed right now Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right and so again i have to find ways in which to deal with that that grieving and for me a lot of it is through the things that i'm writing right now a lot of it is through the things that i'm teaching right now Mm -hmm. the things are through the things i'm lecturing about right now and and so again that to me is a way to deal with these things and yeah and it's not to say that You know the things that i'm writing about right now like if if the last year hadn't happened i'd probably be writing something different about gardens (laughs) Mm -hmm. but but i started out writing about gardens you know the first garden that i learned about was a plantation and no one told me so that's how i'm starting out the piece Mm -hmm. and gardens tell our history and you can try to like hide that history but it's there that you can Mm -hmm. exhume it because those those places are there and so again, I wouldn't be coming at it that way if the last year hadn't happened. I'd probably be talking about something completely different about a garden, right? And so, again, I do think the cultural context shapes you. And I think the milieu in which you practice should shape you. And so I was just talking to a student earlier who was born in 2001. And she Mm -hmm. was telling me, she was asking me all these questions. And I said, just think about it. 25 years before you were born, the country did a forced integration so they forced your parents and probably their parents to go to school with white people to with black people and and that's the context of your life
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and she told me she had never discussed that and that's the innocence that I was talking about right and so again if if we don't understand you gave me your diaspora <laughs> before we started right you talked about East Africa, West Africa,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Eastern Canada. You talked about your diaspora. And I think a lot of people don't think of, think about their lives as diasporic or having that kind of, uh, how can I say, looking back.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, so I think, uh, again, I think it's a time where we have to be reflective to go forward.
0: So. Yeah, totally. I definitely... Uh so many feelings this past year. And yeah, I'm like, if I choose to get too down, it could be a place that it's, it will be hard to recover from. So yep. I, I, I keep like, just kind of like keep afloat, but like some days I'm like, I don't even want to go to work, but how, how do I tell my boss, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. I, I do not have the emotional capacity to, to first of all do work, but to also not be surrounded by black people, it's, yeah. it's tiring.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a lot, of, it's a lot of work and, you know, it's funny, like when things shut down, I started getting all these texts from all my white friends who never come to visit me, who I haven't heard from for years. I mean, mm-hmm. like literally years. And they're like, oh, let's hook up. I'm like, why are you fucking calling me now? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and this is the thing, you know, the George Floyd incident, the thing that I haven't heard is like, well, why? I want more white people to articulate why, one, they all of a sudden care, but number two, other than posting, what the hell are they doing about it? Right? Other than just marching, what are you doing about it? And, and that's I think that's the big issue. And again, going back to Baldwin, this is what Baldwin says, like, I don't need to be called a Negro. I don't need that label. You need that label. Meaning white people. White people need the Negro. Black people don't need the Negro.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's their construction, not our construction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Black is not our construction. Black was created in during the slave trade. I mean we were people so they Mm -hmm. need that construction for us it's not our construction and until we somehow deal with that why do they need to call us black why do they need to call us a black architect why do we need to be called a black landscape architect that's not us
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that's them you know and that's that's the biggest issue because once you have this prefix it creates a different realization for a different semiotic so if i'm a police and i get called we have a 911 in the blah 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 neighborhood they immediately oh that's the black neighborhood so they immediately have an an image of where they're going Mm -hmm. and people don't speak this but that's the truth because we know where the black neighborhood is Mm -hmm. right and so that plays out because they expect trouble they expect to see no street trees they expect to see something violent Right. And that's why even when you pull over a black person, you expect something. And so that's why the gun comes out first. Right? And, yeah. and, and this is a thing that, you know, if we don't deal with it, you know, this is why I fight and a lot of my friends you know, get mad at me. I don't belong to NOMA. I don't belong to any black organization, you know, because mm. I don't want that to be a prefix in my name. I don't want Walter to be the black landscape architect. You know, and for a long time, I had to like, no, I'm, I don't want to be your black landscape architect because mm-hmm. being your black landscape architect meant that I can only do things that a black landscape architect does, which allows mm-hmm. for the other landscape architects to be comfortable because they know oh, he's never going to get that. He's a black landscape architect.
0: <laughs> Ugh. So Ugh.
1: And, and that's real. And that's real. That's very real. So. Oh, and man. so it's not just, you know, you, we can't just look at, you know, the things that happen in the rest of society as being these isolated things. They have an impact on all of us, oh, right? And, and, and somehow we have to figure out ways of working within our context and allowing, you know, those issues to be addressed and somehow figure out ways to, right, get to a different place, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know in my lifetime if we ever get there, but. You know, I'm not going to stop trying, so.
0: Oh, yeah, no, we can't. We can't stop trying. Mm. Gotta do this. Uh, Before we uh, end here, uh, (laughs) I like, (laughs) this is the dangerous territory. (laughs) I like to to let my guests ask me a question of their choosing, just because I've been asking all the questions and quite grateful that like, you're able to open up and and share with me. So I feel like I should only return the favor For one
1: question. Yeah. Well, living in a post colonial society like Canada and having um, inaugurated a kind of respect for a pre colonial past, what do you think is missing? And is that enough to always? Honor something that was Mm. taken and never given back.
0: Yeah, Uh, I know what you're getting at. It is not enough, but. If you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. uh, I
1: think
0: (laughs) by not giving it back, we're still living in the middle of like the colonial enterprise. It's very much well and alive, it's just being done differently. And. I think the idea of the past is challenging because when you look at uh, all the indigenous peoples, they are still uh, they're still fighting to maintain cultural practices, um, means like ways like rituals, and we can't think of we can't talk about it in the past because they're here, they're doing it and part of the romanticism with the past is to almost make it seem like they're not here fighting constantly right. yeah. And, yeah. and present and then which almost legitimizes the fact that there's no need to give back. Right, yeah. So, I know it's not enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it goes, I, was, I mean, I hadn't, hadn't thought about it because I was always, Saying, well, at least, you know, in Canada, at least in New Zealand, at least in Australia, which are these settler colonial places, um, at least people have reconciled and at least make note of it. But in the last year, I've come to almost challenge that, yeah. you know, and, the, and because of the question then is, well, why are you doing it out of just political correctness? was if it's really out of empathy, then there has to be then something more. And I don't know what that is, but but it's just made me think a lot, you know, about, you know, Baldwin's statement about these. Again, the veil, the thing that I'm identified as, whether it's black, Negro or whatever, and not just a person. Mm
0: -hmm. Why
1: is it that groups have to keep subjecting me to that? And it's about power. Right. It really is about power. And so how do you break that power? Right.
0: Yeah. It's difficult. And it's, yeah. I think and it's in perfect.
1: a settler colonial and settler colonialism, uh, as some write, you know, is why the white gaze and white supremacy and whiteness is kind of central to that. And is there a way to have that conversation? And we're having the conversation in this country right now about white supremacy, and how it's still embedded in our culture, and why it's embedded in our culture, and it's because of that colonial past uh, and people feeling threatened that it's diminishing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's diminishing. It's we're becoming much more brown in this country, um, and I think people feel that.
0: Yeah, I think also. With Canada, there is always um, this idea of defining identity in comparison to the United States, where mm. there is this idea that oh, it's not so bad, or no, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> just because like uh, five You're kids not like... get, yeah, no, it, you know, there's there's this um, constant like oh, but, but we're doing so much better, yeah, but you're still doing really terrible things and it's almost worse because there is no recognition of some of these issues here mm. Mm. because it's not the US yeah we don't yeah. have trump but yeah. we we'll still do we we'll do it
1: better yeah 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 yeah
0: but like white supremacy is well in life here mm. right mm. like uh, yeah. indigenous yeah. genocide is ongoing mm. um you know like discrimination against black, it's all those things are yeah. existing and the numbers might be different. And also because we are a f- way smaller population, yeah, yeah. like, you know, so they're like, you gotta compare it like th- in, in the right way. But I, mm-hmm. I think um, there's, there's a lot of lies in yeah. terms of how it's defined just because it's always in like, in comparison to like the bigger evil, which right. is the U S right.
1: Yeah,
0: and yeah. that's really unfortunate. Mm. And which also kind of um, is used to desensitize like, when people of color are expressing these like pains or like, oh, but come on, like, It's not like you're leaving the States. It's not like it's the States. It's like, listen, like, I don't need to be there to feel that pain. Like, I, these have, these things have no boundaries. The way I'm perceived by people here is the same way. (laughs) Like, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's just like, we don't even get to have our pain recognized.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing yeah. we're making landscape and not political science or whatever, right? Again, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, no, no. I'm a political
0: <laughs> scientist before all this, like, I... <laughs> Oh, I
1: forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's
1: no. like, I, you know, it's like I could not be a politician right now. I couldn't be, you know, th- that's what I mean, the creative part, you know, at least there's an outlet, right, that I could deal with my demons through the medium. And, and that's just been a really welcome thing, so.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Actually, um, actually, I'm gonna post this and I ask you something, <laughs> off the record.
1: <laughs> Close it.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Design Unmuted podcast, brought to you by Divine. If you liked what you heard, please rate and tell your friends about it. You can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find me on Instagram at Ramesha Design Unmuted and also on my website at www.RameshaDesign.com. The track you're hearing is called Under the Sun by Kafaye, singer-songwriter, and produced by Ozenit, or Zenith by Kiga and Saint Jean in Jonah we done.